Okay, so this is the Mountain Biking Podcast presented by GMBN. And this week, uh, I'm out of the shed. I'm in a different type of shed. Uh, I'm in the Trailhead Bike Shop with my old mate, Sandy Plenty, to talk about bike shops and uh, their place in the market these days, what it's like to own a bike shop, etc. cetera. Uh, so we'll start off, Sandy, uh, I've known you for years and years, um, but how did you become a bike shop owner? Well, first of all, welcome to the, the Trailhead. Um, how did I, it was more by accident. So, um, without going into too much detail, um, my dad sold his, uh, successful business, or we didn't actually sell it. He got out of it to kind of, uh, put his time into me, which is super cool. And then this was kind of, mountain bike was the only thing, Don, that I really like stuck at, you know, and, and anyone who knows me well, I do have a few fads now but but the constant's been been bike shops and bikes so my dad was like right you know we're gonna we're gonna go for it and we bought a bike shop uh, and that, that was when i met you to be fair back in the 90s when i mean mountain biking if i feel the same thing with me where it's the only thing that i've really stuck at and it's yeah. got me to where i am now but only by chance as much as anything because i couldn't do anything else and everything else fell to the wayside because of mountain biking but yeah i met you back in the 90s when i think mountain biking was big in the uk there was a really healthy race scene it was growing well, didn't yeah it was, it was growing big time wasn't it i mean we were i was thinking about this this morning i've, I've known you for 24 25 years and it was booming there was money in the in the sport mainly in the states but there was it, it was kicking off and we were there and we were doing it and we were 15 and you were 15, I was 17, something like that. You know lots of people on the scene, partly, I guess, because of your racing background as well. Yeah, I think partly because of my racing background, but just because when you've been doing it as long as you and me have, it's quite hard not to yeah. know a few people. But yeah, got some some buddies called in some favours. I haven't got a Neil Donahue. I think you have. Oh. You used to have one. I oh, know it's, it's tucked away somewhere. I think we clean the bikes up. with it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that matters? I know uh, a lot of the world revolves around who you know, not what you know. But I think, well, mountain biking especially is quite a small world. So I guess you are going to know these people. But when you're setting up a bike shop, you need to be part of the riding community, I suppose. Yeah, you gotta you got to embed yourself in the community. But you've got to do it in a way that's that's not sickly, it's not false. It's like, you know, we do the shop rides because um, we love them and we like riding our bike. If there's a gap in the shop rides for whatever reason, it's probably because we just, you know, not had enough of it, but we need a bit of a break or whatever. I always said, we'll, we'll do the shop rides until they stop being fun. But yeah, we, we embed ourselves and we do a lot with the youth in the area and just just try and be reliable and, and do what we say we're going to do. Yeah, I think that that is definitely a big one. You hear bike shops get bad reputations from sometimes the smallest things. Can mm -hmm. people blow them out of proportion? Like, yeah, oh, massive. It's a the bike and the bolt came loose and that's the bike shop's fault. Yeah. But you've got to deal with those things day to day, I suppose. And then that is, yeah, you're totally right, Don, and that's amplified by the World Wide Web. Yeah, social media. <laughs> One of my questions as well is, how do you find the right people? Um, obviously, you own the, this place, but there's uh, lots of people who work here. There, you've got mechanics. And I, I've often made a joke in the past that bike mechanics, bike 
uh, shop mechanics are people that know everything. <laughs> like a yeah. bit, bit tongue-in-cheek, like they probably feel like they know everything in the world. But I, th- I mean, I've done it. I've been there, worked a, in a, as a bike shop mechanic for a while, and it's definitely a great apprenticeship to being in the industry as a whole. But how do you find the right people? Well, uh, I don't know whether it's luck or or what, but I have got two of the best mechanics, well, three actually now, and uh, Rich and Dave and Chris... Like, Rich and Dave have been here since pretty much the start, and they are my reputation. So if anyone, you know, ever did say anything good about us, it's probably because their bike was fixed or, you know, it's a given that we should be good in the shop at selling bikes. Like, otherwise you shouldn't be in business. But I think the workshop, they're the they're the reliable ones. They're the people that get you back on the road when it's, you know, bank holiday weekend like it is now. Mm-hmm. We have Friday afternoon drop-offs where like a regular is in a right pickle, needs his bike sorting, and you know if enough cake and biscuits come through the door, it gets sorted. That's the currency, isn't it? Is is biscuits or craft beer in a bike shop? Yeah, <laughs> we do like a craft beer. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me yeah wonder about that. It's like yeah, you don't get a reputation of selling someone the best fox jersey, do you? you no, you do actually. You do get it built in the workshop. Definitely, and then that, and then like you said before, that can go, that can go against you in a in a second. Um, and we're we're very very fair, and we do a lot of goodwill. There's a lot of times when we'll go, you know, bite our lip, and uh, yeah, no problem, we'll sort it. The customer isn't always right, I'm afraid. Um, mostly right, but not always. And you know what? We often make mistakes too, and we have a policy here. Just put your hands up and say, look, we've we screwed up and yeah. turn it into a positive. I think as a business or a, a service provider, you can only really show how good you are when, you know, it hits the fan. Yeah. And you, you've got a chance then to not just dig yourself out of the hole, prove that you're, you're genuine and you want to, you actually want to help people ride. Yeah, it's def- difficult balance. And I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of it. I'm, I'm sure, definitely, I've, I've been walking in on a Friday afternoon with a race on Saturday, saying, "Oh, can, can you just?" Yeah. And it's probably something that the guys are already really busy, but I, I really need that thing. And yeah. I just need someone's help to do it, and you sort of. You yeah, my my life depends on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how big a part of the business is the workshop, as far as? As far as money and turnover, yeah. I guess it's. Uh, the workshop, it's it's like a gateway. Thirty percent, okay, but way more than that in its value. Like I said, its yeah. reputation, but also it gets people into the shop. Yeah, you fix someone's older, slightly more tired bike and mm. keep fixing it, keep looking after that customer, never making them feel like they're having an inadequate bike or anything like that. And then when they do. Feel, oh, I'm going to buy a new bike. Or Trailhead have always looked after me, or whatever yeah. shops looked after me. Absolutely. Then I think it's that that trust thing, really, and respect, and yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah, like you say, it's building a community as well and making sure those people feel welcome. And it can be difficult. It can be quite intimidating places, bike shops. I think. Oh, definitely. Really, I, that's something I keep trying to uh, talk to the staff about. Is we we're all super chilled here, but you come in like I, I sort of one of my fans was surfing and you go in a surf shop and I don't dare ask a question about the length of a fin or a... Don't feel stupid. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and you've got like what what brands do you sell? We said Santa Cruz Forbidden. You've got Cube White. Cube, Cube's a big one for us. They've been with us from day one. Um, they, they treat us as if we're one of the really big players, and we're really not. Uh, got a lot of time for Cube. We've just taken on White. We do Newt Proof and have done for a long time. Um, Santa Cruz is is a big one for us, and, and very proud to be selling their quality bicycles and Forbidden. We do orange, um, and uh, do a little bit of marine gravel. Um, so I've we ride canyons and Ute proof, and I've definitely had it in the past criticism for riding uh, canyons because they okay. are a direct brand. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't mind. Obviously, people can say what they want on my social media; it's fine. But I had one guy say um, something about not not supporting the industry because I was. <laughs> promoting a direct brand how does that feel as a bike shop where you don't sell these things but eventually you'll see them coming in for something to get fixed well it's the same old thing you know we all drive around in in nice vans but very rarely do i take my van back to the vw garage i take it to my my (laughs) local guy so it's a it's a a new business model but we've had to adapt to start with, it was frustrating when we lose one of our loyal customers to a to a direct sales brand like Canyon. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, then you think, well, actually, the suspension needs service and the bearings need changing. Yeah. Uh, the customer still needs looking after because their next bike might be one of ours. So mm. we just treat them exactly the same. Um, it's funny what you said, though. I'm not going to call anyone out, but I had a, a rep in <laughs> working for a brand, uh, a P and A P&A brand, and called me out for for selling a brand here that's owned by a, a bigger online <laughs> i think we may know the yeah the company you're talking about yeah so and i just thought he said i said well I, my response to him was you're narrow-minded because that's it they're great bikes and why wouldn't we sell them and why wouldn't it benefit my business and yeah it's a difficult situation and i you never know what's gonna happen in the future i mean it works for these bike brands obviously to go direct so what's to say it doesn't all go direct and then bike shops have to evolve into something slightly different where you rely on selling soft goods and servicing that bike but who knows i mean i think there will always be brands in bike shops and i think they will be the the brands with 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 a story and hey you know i think there's enough room for for everyone to do it the way they want but I hope a few still stay in the bike shops. <laughs> um, what about the the challenges of of running a bike shop? I mean, unfortunately, we do hear about bike shops closing. There's you know the John's bikes in Bath. It's like 100 years old, and that shut down in the last year. And mm. there definitely are sort of new challenges facing bike shops. How do you think you overcome those? I think it's evolution. You've got a, you know, I have. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, we had a six-month, in my mind, stale patch. Like we were, we were just doing the same thing. We were taking pictures of bikes against a wall and tagging everyone, and we still do that now. But I was like, "What can we do that's different?" And and you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it and, and hope that you evolve and you have the right staff around you. You know, I'm I'm uh, a very small part of, of Trailhead, and my staff and their energy. Um, drive the business forward. So I think surround yourself in good people and good brands uh, and get out and ride your bike with people is my 
top tip yeah i definitely think the yeah i could totally agree with all that stuff it's it's definitely like instagram can make a big difference to your brand things mm. as simple as that where you see you know if you're really it's you know i don't want to say new school marketing because a lot of people use it but compared to some bike shops where they are living yeah. completely in the just the the old school way of doing things definitely think that does help yeah i think i think you're right and and good good photos and and people want to see behind the scenes so you know a bit like this podcast people want just a little bit more info and i think we're all nosy and want to just see how it works and so we try and be transparent and, and we often do insta live so we walk around the shop people ask questions about products and we answer them and yeah, that's cool. do shout outs and stuff and <laughs> it's a bit of fun yeah right um but yeah i think just just trying to keep evolving it's funny i've just been to worcester and squamish and have you ever been to corsa cycles in squamish uh no, I went to Squamish a couple of years ago. Didn't see a bike shop. It's a funny place. It was huge. I think actually it's just moved to new premises and it is much bigger. But yeah. it really surprised me walking in there to see how many mountain bikes, you know, there, there are road bikes, but yeah. it's just huge. You know, the square footage of it is massive and there's a massive workshop at the back and loads and loads of bikes as well as e-bikes. Um, that's definitely taken off. In... How did you feel when you walked in there? Was it it's like, cool? Really cool. Like, oh, it's yeah, cool. really welcoming. Uh, yeah, just a, a cool shop, which, yeah, you don't see that many like really big, cool mountain bike shops. I'm still a, I'm still a bike shop geek, you know, like, yeah, I, I love going in, you know, we've got uh, Dave Mallor Cycles around the corner. They're full of great bikes, slightly different take on it than here but how does that work you're literally 50 meters uh around the corner from the most established bike shop in shrewsbury yeah most definitely and and the one that you and me used to shop in when we were groms yeah. uh dave is my business partner here so that's uh for both of us better the devil we know than devil we don't so. and, but how do you differentiate is it i know dave's got a, a great reputation on the roadside things on loads of road bikes but he does sell mountain bikes as well mm -hmm. so how do you differentiate the two i guess he sells mountain bikes and road, and so do we. He's biased towards road, and I'm biased towards mountain bike. Um, you know, he's embedded himself in the in the road community in the local cycling club, um, and does very well that. But again, he's doing it in a genuine way. He's not doing it like just because he sees pound signs. Like, and so yeah, he he's very much the road path. I'm the mountain bike path, and yeah, we don't have any crossover. The mechanics talk all the time. They're always sharing notes and helping borrowing parts yeah borrowing parts and helping each other fix bikes really cool uh what about sort of uh it's funny greg minar is doing a, a talking tour in the uk i don't know if you noticed this he's doing a date in Shrewsbury. yeah so i've been on a couple of these uh to watch i saw hans ray last year steve yeah. pete was that last i saw year? the pt one and um in newtown yeah, so it's definitely it's quite a new thing to the UK. We've had it with people like climbers where they visit towns around the UK and talk about what they've done that year, cool story, etc. So it's really starting to happen with mountain bikers. And the one thing I noticed is the Shrewsbury leg of his yeah. 20 date tour is actually sold out. And Tell me about it. The only one that sold out. And it's probably one of the smaller towns. Is that just, I mean, it's got to be because of the mountain bike scene? Yeah, I think. Definitely to do the mountain bike scene around here and even though there's loads of riders around here that, that just ride trail bikes or, or trail centres or but they still they love it around here and, and they know who Greg Minar is and they want to go and listen to him talk. I want to go too, but I don't have a ticket. 
and I can't get one. Oh, no way. <laughs> well, you'll have to come down to Bath. He's doing one in Bath, and I'm sure there'll be a few drinks afterwards. I'll get crash the one in. Yeah. But it does, it does make me think about the whole scene, you know, definitely. Obviously, there are thriving shops in Shrewsbury. Have you ever have you seen shops close down? Uh, oh, only really mine and my dad's early on. I mean, probably has been some others come and go. Just don't really think about the negative side of it but yeah i think shops come and go uh globally for sure and and uh it's it's sad to see and and as you know there was soho bikes closed down in london that was really that i, mean, I, was, I was shocked I was, but then when i actually spoke to uh nick you know he decided to close down it wasn't like they went bust or anything i don't yeah. think people know that he was like well i just can't be doing this anymore in the middle of london and then maybe if he was in the Surrey Hills, yeah, the other two bike shops there are doing well. Um, so yeah, I think back to the old thing you said, which is you've got to be near riding. What I mean, you've definitely got a, a range of bikes here, but what do you sell the most of? Is it a sort of you know one forty mil trail bike? Is it downhill bikes? Is it cross country bikes? Is it e bikes? I think it's a mixture of all. But if you had to say. It'd probably be like the Bronson, um, you know, one, 140, 150 up to 160. Um, and everyone everyone in their head wants to go hard, don't they? So they need more travel. But I think they actually get used around here, you know? The tracks, you know, you've ridden Eastridge for years. There's a lot of rock there and it is gnarly and you do need a bit more travel. So I'd say the higher-end travel, trail bike, enduro bike really, Don. Um, what about trends? I mean, for me, the biggest one that I've really enjoyed is 29er sort of enduro bikes. Mm-hmm. becomes so much more capable of pedaling and bombing downhill. But what are the biggest trends you've seen in bikes in the last year or so? Well, following on from what you just said then, I think the races around here seem to use 29. Um, well, I say that, but a lot of them do. And then kind of like the the guys and girls who like to go uplifting and just do a bit of trail riding um tend to go for 650b um i think i think we sell pretty much the same amount in total of both e-bikes are on the rise though neil yeah um any bike shop we speak to will probably be saying the same thing and uk is definitely a few years behind europe in this matter as is canada from what i've seen where yeah acceptance is coming but people are reluctant until they try one at least so a lot of people still don't necessarily want to see e-bikes but definitely starting to see more of them around you go to the trail centers that aren't so far away like landagler mm-hmm. or code brennan their e-bikes are definitely appearing and what are the challenges with selling an e-bike uh well at first, e-bikes were a little bit like tubeless. We were scared of it. We didn't understand it. It didn't always work out. But that was sort of three, four years ago. Now, the main challenges are, I'd say, when you build one up, um, the PDI, <clears throat> that's the, the term we use for building a bike up pre-delivery inspection, uh, it takes a bit longer. You know, you've got to drop the engine casing off because a lot of the bikes from Europe come with the brakes the other way around, um, things like that. So you have to, where it would normally take an hour to prepare a bike like this, it would take maybe two and a half to do an e-bike. So you've got to factor that in and that's coming off your bottom line essentially. So um, all the e-bikes we sell have Bosch motors 
and we have a good relationship with Bosch and if there ever was a problem we can troubleshoot it in store and we can often fix it. But, so that is slightly different where, you know, almost every sort of problem on an all bike you could fix in store. I mean, I've, I've had, e I've got two e-bikes actually. I've got a commuter bike and I've got a specialized Kinevo. Two definitely different things, but I have actually just had started to have issues with my commuter bike and I find it really frustrating that I couldn't fix it. Mm. Not, you know, I like to, I've got all the tools on my house. I like to be able to fix things and I needed the bike to do something yeah. and it didn't work and like, yeah. tearing my hair out. I know. And you're just frustrated then. And it's that reputation thing again, Don, which is if we sell it, we need to be able to fix it or, or get someone to fix it. And that, and that process happened quite quickly because e-bike comes in, <clears throat> say there's a problem with it. Three weeks, they're, they're not peed off with the component manufacturer, they're paid off with us. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's reliability. But they are, I mean, you know, they are really good these days, as you know. Yeah. And we're not so far from some downhill bike parks like Revolution Bike Parks. Yep. 40 minutes down the road. You've got the Athens Dubby Bike Dubby. Park just opened up. Yep. So that would be interesting to see what happens there with potentially more downhill bikes. But I've said that, I've just been in Whistler where you do see a lot of 160 mil trail bikes. But Yeah, I mean, I've just come back from from Leger and Morzine and I, it was spot the downhill bike. It was yeah. everyone on trail bikes and the braking bumps haven't got any smaller. <laughs> yeah. They're still huge. So yeah, I think that the, the trail bike, Jura bike, whatever you want to call it, it's just become so capable. It's 10 times better than the downhill bikes you and me rode in the 90s. Yeah, I can see you've got a new proof descent just like the one I've got. And yeah, it's the first time I've ridden one in a long time and it felt like the bike was more capable than I was, but I really, really enjoy riding it. And I've, I've just ridden it actually for the last few times I've ridden, but it's interesting to see the difference. Yeah, I, I think most riders, myself included, could jump on a, an enduro bike and that'd be plenty of bike. Yeah, yeah. Will we see you at a downhill race? I don't know. I don't necessarily want to race it, to be honest. All I've ridden so far is bike parks, is Whistler and uh, the Athens. So just actually really smooth, really yeah. fun, hitting big jumps. That's what I'm loving at the moment. But big corners, yeah. Still, There are still downhill races around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, big shout out to Pierce Cycles down in Ludlow. Um, Ian and, and Dave and Lindsay and the rest of the team down there do a, a great job in running a bike shop, but also... I think probably the best bike series that I've ever known in this country, any country. Like Pierce, if you if you ever want to, you're watching this and you want to just do a race, and even if you've got a trail bike, they've got a trail bike category now, go and do a Pierce. It's unreal. Yeah, I, it's definitely when I grew up around here, there's a lot of, well, it's just downhill really. And yep. now there's a really healthy enduro race scene but maybe not so much cross-country, or am I missing it? Well, I thought that. Um, I mean, I started cross-country, and it was it was big. But someone told me the other day, they went to a cross-country race in Cannock, and every category that was... That was the Nationals, I think, or was it? the Nationals. And it was rammed, absolutely rammed. Um, one of my buddies, uh, Chris Oliver, his son, Arthur, he's, he's starting racing. And, and rather than him getting to downhill, you know, this is a young lad under 10. He wants to race cross country. And that's super cool. So I'm hearing about these different events he's taking him to. And it seems to be thriving. But it's not, it's not on my Instagram feed. And it's not, I don't see it on the websites I look at. And I don't know what needs to happen, but I think it's very healthy. Yeah, I definitely need to check it out. Uh, you know, obviously, in Europe, 
if you have been to Rock des Year Festival, that is huge. I think there's is that in Nice. Uh, yeah. So I, I can't remember the numbers, but there's the race, the big race, is like thirty thousand people or something crazy. Wow. And all on twenty nine of carbon. Yeah. You know, you won't see a bear, see a pair of baggy shorts there, and it's it's really cool to see. But it's it always surprised me that it's it's quite different to the UK and. And the US and Canada, from from definitely from my perspective, like you say, I I maybe don't look at the right websites. Yeah, but I don't think there is a cross country version of Pink Bike or Vital or GMBM that shows off cross country. No, quite so much. I mean, it's definitely for us at GMBM. We we always try and do more cross country because we don't do enough, and I enjoy doing it. But it does feel like the the scene isn't quite as obvious. No, I think you're right, and I think with cross country, it's about doing it. It's about actually, you know, in a cross-country race, it's a bit like being in a motocross race, you can see matey ahead of you and you're like, I'm going to catch him. And you do everything you can to bury yourself. Whereas in downhill and enduro, you're racing an invisible component, the clock. And that's what I love about cross-country racing when I used to do it is being on that start line with everyone else. So I think that story needs telling and it might drag a few people in. Yeah, it makes makes me wonder actually about just the vanity of enduro and downhill races. We're more about buying the right shirt and having the right bike. <laughs> Cross country, right. just want to get on and race the thing. Mountain biking's been keeping check shirts sales <laughs> yeah. high for. Do you sell check shirts? I can't see any. You could probably find one somewhere, at least on a member of staff, including me. <laughs> um, what is the best part of being in the bike industry as a shop owner? Best part, hands down the people you meet uh, and that, that's sometimes or more than often when they come through the door um, but also the industry people you meet at the shows and the friendships you build um, you know it's it's very very small I think a lot of people watching GMBN reading magazines they think it's huge it's tiny and and you know you pee someone off at one point you'll come back round to them before you know it because they'll change jobs and yeah. you know it's very very small and it's on the most it's 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 really nice for that um what about the worst parts do you ever wake up on a monday morning and and you know get that sinking feeling and think oh it's monday i gotta go to work no never never sometimes you got stuff going on like you know it's not always plain sailing in in business so you might have some business stuff going on loads of bills to pay and you know worries that come with running a business that bit's not so cool but yeah I always think I still get a buzz from opening a bike box like you know a new a new frame comes in it's not, you know it's not it's not mine it's for a customer but can't wait to cut the box open and have a look at it I still get that buzz 20 however many years on so and what about personal bikes just I, I mean that fade has faded for me sometimes I love it and sometimes I'm like, yeah, cool, it's a new bike. <laughs> I think, like, don't get, I, I do all right uh, with bikes, but I think you perhaps get more new bikes than anyone. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's uh, it's diluted it. But yeah, got a new bike the other day to go away with a new V10, and I have this weird thing though, and I get so excited about a new bike, like unreal excited. But then I don't want to ride it. It's like a new pair of trainers. Yeah. I'm looking like, oh, but what? Anyway, yeah, I, I love a new bike and I like specking it. I think that's the bit I enjoy. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't really get to do that anymore. But yeah, I, I can imagine sitting there and thinking and dreaming up exactly yeah. what set of cranks and brakes. Yeah. Essentially, that's quite nice. And I think when a customer comes in, 
we need to accommodate that and rather than go you need this you need that you need this Mm. which I do do a bit to people I know well and they'll be laughing but I think a lot of riders don't enjoy building the bike as much as riding it definitely right thanks Andy I think we'll end it there it's been uh, good to hear a bit about uh, bike shops nice to be here checking out the trail ad as usual Right, uh, that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, you're probably watching it here uh, already. Uh, over on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, Deezer, and on Audioboom. Thank you.